Welcome to Harvest. If you're new with us, my name is Johnny Pereira, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And man, so good, so good to be with you this morning. And uh, man, on this Palm Sunday, uh, where we lead into Holy Week, and I want to encourage you this Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday service in here. We just remember the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the necessity for that death and the weight of that death uh, that Jesus bore on himself for every one of us. And, and so, man, you don't want to miss that. And then obviously Easter, and hopefully if you didn't grab some already, we have Easter invite cards for you to hand out this week. Got a lot, lot of stuff going on this week. Got uh, an Easter egg hunt on Saturday just in this park over here, and just another op- awesome opportunity to invite some people, your neighbors, to come to that. Um, and so a lot of opportunities that lie before us this week that uh, I hope we seize. And uh, we have another one of those opportunities again today. And uh, you, if, you've, if you've been here the past uh, month and a half or so, you know that we made an announcement at the end of February about a facility that God has provided for us to have under contract. And, and um, you may be even like, man, this has happened so quick. And and uh, what you don't realize behind the scenes is, is we've been aggressively looking for the past year for a permanent facility, and this one just happened to come across our paths providentially. And, um, and so we started this So Much More series three weeks ago, really uh, geared toward just focusing our attention in what we're asking uh, God to show us in how he wants us to participate, participate financially in raising $600,000 so that we can acquire this facility and, and have a mortgage that is manageable for, uh, for our expenses and different things like that. And that's a massive thing. And, and so in that, we come today, right, with our, many of us, with our commitment cards. And uh, some of us, man, just super pumped, right? Like just excited that we get to participate in this. Nobody wants to say this, so I'm going to say it for you. Uh, even though we're super pumped, probably a little nervous, right? Like, like, oh my goodness, like, this is a big thing that God has asked us to do. Laura and I joked about it, sort of joking, but was like, man, God's asked us to be a part of places where we've had to do this multiple times. Like, and, uh, but yet at the same time, excited and nervous in what we know that God has asked us to give and and I know some of you are like, this is your first time here, and you haven't been here in like a month, and you're like, we have a building under contract, and, and, and this is the first time you've heard about that. And so I know some of you are just like wrapping your minds around that, around that or maybe you, you heard about it for the first time last week, and so I know there's those of you in this place, and, and so let me just say that I know that, uh, know that we're going to be doing something special at the end where we drop our commitment cards in those boxes, but I also understand there may be some of you that are kind of new to the game and are like, man, I, I need some more time to pray about that, so by no means is the quote-unquote door of the ark closed after today. You can still participate in that, uh, but I know many of us have come into this room with a myriad of emotions, uh, excitement, like I said, nervousness, um, and the reality is, is your hand should be trembling today because of the weight of what God has asked us to participate in. But I don't want to allow the goal of acquiring a facility to overshadow really what we're going after during this season of our church. 
Because it is indeed so much more than about a building. And you've heard me say this, but I want to say it again because I believe it's so important that we hear this. It's about us experiencing so much more of God's glory in and through our lives. And we looked at that a few weeks ago. Last week, it's about looking, we looked at this idea, it's about us experiencing so much more spiritual growth in our lives. As we're stretched, as God stretches us to move from not just knowing the Bible, but applying the Bible every day in our lives, because that's where growth comes from. It's applying the knowledge that we receive. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the subject of experiencing so much more of an understanding of what generosity looks like in our lives. And I know that most pastors, because I'm one of them and I've talked to a lot of guys, like whenever it comes to the subject of money, pastors always seem to have the temptation to approach that trepidatiously. Like, all right, now I'm going into a very sensitive subject. And I think sometimes it's because there's so many out there that have this idea that when, when pastors preach on money that it's self-serving. And, but then we have to remind ourselves that Jesus talked more about money than any other thing. Like, in case you don't believe me, um, just listen to this. 16 out of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, which is important, would you not say? Less than 500 verses on faith, would you not say that that's an integral part of our walk with the Lord? Less than 500 verses on faith, but listen to this, more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. And so as we approach this subject of generosity and we look at what God's word has to say about how we use the finances that God has entrusted us, I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this clearly, and I want you to hear this sincerely. That my greatest desire for you and my greatest desire for myself and for my family is for us to really cross the bridge in our walk with the Lord. That we would cross the bridge from where so many of us are, may, may be right now or will be in the future from time to time or have been for a long time. From, that we would cross the bridge from this heart of reluctance with the resources that God has entrusted us, reluctance and, and just wanting to hold on to it, that, we, to, that even today would be a moment that we can look back to and say, man, that's where I crossed the bridge in a greater way from a heart of reluctance with what God has given me to a heart of generosity. Like That's my greatest desire for you when it comes to your resources. And that's, my greatest desire for myself is what God has entrusted our family with. And even more than it being my desire for you and my desire for myself, it's God's desire for us. And I think of a passage of Scripture that in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, that is a very counterintuitive passage of Scripture when we think about the resources that we have. It's on the screen, let me read it. It says, one gives freely, so one just gives freely with 
what they have, and look at the result, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he could give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. That is a counterintuitive passage of Scripture in our society today. Because everything in us says this, if we hold on to what we have, we won't lose it. But this passage of Scripture says that if we give freely of what God has entrusted to us, that we're going to grow all the richer. And I was having a conversation with our staff this week, and I was like, you know, unfortunately, the prosperity gospel has robbed us of passages like this. Because we're so afraid of giving across the idea, well, man, if you just give your money, man, you get this little hanky and it's going to bless you and like multiply your resources. You're going to be driving to Ben's next week and living in a 30,000 square foot home. And, but really when you, when you pull back the onion of that idea, like if that was really your idea to accumulate more stuff, you would never be generous in the first place. And so let's not allow twisted theology about giving that frankly comes from Satan himself to rob us from believing this verse. That when I give freely, man, I'm waiting with anticipation on how God is going to multiply that in my life with blessing. And let's not just tie blessing to money. But that's what this verse is, is saying, and it's so counterintuitive to the way that we think. And so I want you to hear me on this, what I'm about to say, because I remind myself of it, and I have to remind myself of it because I can easily slip back into a heart of reluctance from a heart of generosity. Let's not kid ourselves in thinking that all of a sudden, once we cross that bridge, that we can't be tempted to cross back over. It's a daily struggle. But listen to me. I will never, never live a generous life when I am ruled by the thought of what I don't have. You'll never live a life of generosity when you're ruled by this thought of what I don't have. Because I really believe there's two types of hearts when it comes to our resources, and I've mentioned it already, there's a heart of reluctance that says this, there's no way I can. There's no way I can. That when we're asked to give of the resources that God has entrusted to us, our heart of reluctance says, there's no way I can. But when we move from that place and we cross over the bridge of the heart of generosity, this is, this is what God desires of every one of us, that we say this, not there's no way I can, but there's no way I can't. There's no way I can't be a part of what God is asking me to do. Because I'm growing and I've seen the blessing that comes from generosity. I've seen Proverbs eleven twenty four in my own life. That when I give freely, I grow all the richer. And my blessing will be enriched. And the, water, and the one who waters will himself be watered. And here's the reality. When I stay in a heart of reluctance, what that passage of scripture tells me is God in his graciousness and discipline of me. You know what he's going to do? He's going to slowly turn off the tap. 
It's like, okay, you want to hold on to what you have? All right, that's, that's all I'm going to give you. And what I want us to do is move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity. And so the title of this message this morning is simply this, More Generosity. So would you turn in your Bibles to Exodus 35. Exodus 35, and we're going to look at verse 4 of Exodus 35 all the way through Exodus chapter 36, verse 7. And so you know this about this place, if you call this place your home, we like to walk, walk verse by verse through passages of Scripture, because at the end of the day, this is the goal of preaching. You want to know what the goal of preaching is? Here it is. For you and me to have a high view of Scripture. That's the goal of preaching. Not for you to have a high view of me. Not for you to have a high view of somebody else who stands behind a pulpit or a lectern or a pub table or whatever else. But you would have a high view of Scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk verse by verse through this passage of Scripture, but context is important because we're jumping into the middle of a book. And so in Exodus 25 through 31, you'll find in Exodus 25 that Moses is told by God to build a tabernacle. And he's told that, but here's the problem. What happens is, is there's a hiccup in the process. God gives the plans to Moses. God tells Moses what to do. This is what I want the tabernacle to look like. But there's little, this little thing that happens when Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. See, the children of Israel decide, well, we want to worship something else. So they start worshiping and make this golden calf, and they start worshiping. And Moses comes down from the mountain, gets super angry. God gets super angry with the people. God wants to destroy the people and start all over. Moses implores God to, to and, and asks for forgiveness on behalf of the people. God in his graciousness forgives them. So that little hiccup kind of got in the way of this building project. It's understandable, right? And so now we come to Exodus 35 and God's going to, after all of this has taken place, now God's going to go back to Moses and say, okay, let's resume where we should have been in the first place. And Moses says these words in verse 4. Look at what it says. It says, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever's of a generous heart and let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold and silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, goat's hair and tanned ram skins and goat skins and acacia wood and oil for the light and spices for the anointing of oil and the, for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate, which is what the high priest would wear. And we're looking at this passage of Scripture today because here's what I want us to do when we think about knowing that God's desire for you and me is to move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity with our resources that God has given us. I want to give you from this passage of Scripture five ways, five ways that we cross from the bridge of reluctance to a heart of generosity with our God-given resources. Five ways. They come straight from this passage of Scripture. And here's the first way. I just read it in verses 4. And really, it goes all the way through verse 19, though I didn't read verse 19. Let me, let me share with you what, what all the way through verse 19 is talking about so you don't walk out of here thinking you got shortchanged. Is all in this passage of Scripture, verses 4 through verse 19, what happens is, is, is it's mentioning all of the resources that God is asking them to give so that, so that those resources can be used to 
build this tabernacle and they can have the things so that worship can take place the way that God has laid out for them that he desires it to take place. And so here's the first way that we move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity is that we choose to give, number one, obediently. Obediently. Then I'm understanding that this is God's will for my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. But here's something we need to understand about obedience. Because are you like me? Like, when you hear that word obedience, does it get you super excited? Obedience. Yes. Don't you kind of, are you like me? I mean, you have the same heart of flesh like me, and so you can pretend out there that you don't, but I know what's really true because it's true of me. Like, if you want me to not do something, just tell me I have to do it. Ooh, nothing, nothing reveals my need for Jesus more than when that happens. And so when we understand our hearts and we look at this passage of Scripture, and the first way that I share from God's Word is that the way that we move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity, and I say, well, we need to choose to give obediently. You're like, man, I was hoping for something better than that. But here's what we need to understand. Obedience is not fueled by obligation. It's fueled by devotion. It's not fueled by a have to. It's not fueled by that heart of reluctance. It's fueled by that heart that says, man, I want to obey because I understand who my God is and what he has done for me. Because you guys are part of the 11 o'clock service, so I'm expecting you guys to be sharp as tacks this morning. So hopefully when you were reading through verses 4 and 5, you are like, wait a minute, verse 4 says that the Lord commanded this But then in verse 5, it says, whoever's of a generous heart. So in one verse, it's like, God said to do this. And then the next verse, it's like, hey, whoever's of a generous heart, you can give. It's okay. If you don't, you can give. And that's what we read into that verse. And so we think, man, is there a contradiction here? Wait a minute. God said you have to. And now I read it. It says, just if you want to. But that's why I say obedience isn't fueled by obligation, it's fueled out of devotion. Because the reality is here, is when I understand that the children of Israel, when they were asked to do this, was not that far removed from when they were delivered from Egypt and crossed the Red Sea and saw God do so many miracles. They're not too far removed from when that happened. And so when Moses says, Hey, the Lord's commanded this, and whoever's of a generous heart can be a part of this. It's one and the same. It's like, who is? Who here isn't of a generous heart? It'd be me like asking you this morning, raise your hand if you're alive today. Every hand should go up. So it's the idea of, man, who wouldn't be of a generous heart when we think about everything that the Lord has delivered us from? So I'm obeying not out of obligation. I'm obeying out of devotion because I'm thinking about everything that God has done for me up to this point. And are we no different today? To think of what God has delivered us from. And what a great idea that reminds us that the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has saved me from and what we're going to be reminded of at the end of this week, of this holy week, and what we're going to celebrate on, on Easter, like where would I be without God's generosity in my life? Where would I be without the Lord's obedience? Where would I be 
I would be hopeless. And I love what Titus chapter 3, verse 6 says to describe God's loving kindness. It says, he poured out his loving kindness on us richly, generously, not just a little bit, but no, 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 I'm pouring everything out for you. So the idea of, well, whoever's of a generous heart and the Lord has commanded, man, they're one and the same because it's like, God, I'm obeying out of devotion, not obligation. And it's interesting that it's even, that idea is even further confirmed when we look at that idea of contribution in this passage of Scripture. You see it there. Because that word contribution is the idea of a heave offering. So H-E-A-V-E. And here's what a heave offering was, that when someone gave it back then, it was literally they would take whatever their gift was and they would hold it up and they'd be like, Lord, I'm so excited to give this to you. Here it is. Not in like a, hey, did you see what I'm giving? It's not that idea, but it's literally like, I can't wait to do this. Like, here it is, Lord. Let me think about how generous you were to me. Here it is. That's the idea. Bring that contribution. They gave obediently. Here's the second thing, but let's look at where it comes from in verses 20 through 22. Look at what it says. Jump all the way down to verse 20. So they're told to bring all of this stuff to build this tabernacle and to provide the things that are needed to build the furniture and to provide the things for the priests to be able to serve and conduct worship and sacrifices in. And verse 20, look at the people's response. It says, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Love this. So good. Like, verses 21 and 22, it says, and they came, but look at how they came. It said, everyone, not some. Remember, whoever's of a generous heart, you think there'd be some, you'd be like, I'll pass. I'll pass. Hope it comes through, but I'm, I'm out. No, no, it says, everyone whose heart stirred him. And everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its services and for the holy garments. Verse 22, and so they came, both men and women, not just the guys, like everybody. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. Here's the second way we move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity. We cross that bridge when we choose to give obediently, but here's the second thing, when we choose to give willingly, willingly. Now, I don't say this in a judgmental way for the people of Israel because you and me are no different. But this is one of the few times in the Old Testament where the people of Israel do what God says to do. Like most of the time, it's like God says do this and the people of Israel do the opposite. But here's one of the times that we can applaud the people of Israel because what God said to do, they actually obeyed. I find that interesting. And when I look at these phrases, like you ought to underline these phrases in your Bible. Verse 21, everyone whose heart stirred him. Everyone whose spirit moved him. Verse 22, so they came both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. You know what that tells me? That generosity is a heart thing. 
that leads to a do thing. Starts here. And generosity is never a result of a divided heart. I mean, Luke 16, 13, Jesus says that so well that we can't serve two masters. We'll either love the one or hate the other. You can't serve God. And it's interesting that Jesus could have given so many other things besides money. But he says you can't serve God and money because I think one of the greatest indicators of where our heart is is how we utilize and use the resources that God has entrusted to us. And what I love is how in this passage of Scripture, of verses 20 through 22, that you see the motivation of their giving. You see the heart in their giving is that they gave willingly because their heart wasn't divided. It was sold out to who God was and who, what God has done and what God has called them to do. They gave willingly. I think that's what God wants more than anything else from you. And it's what, what God wants from me. Is he wants more than my money and he wants more than the things that I do. He wants my heart. And here's a phrase that I want you to remember. What you treasure is what you trust. I thought a lot about that over these past few weeks in my own life. God, what I treasure is what I trust. And I can know this Bible. And I can know what's right to do. But at the end of the day, how I live my life how I steward my life, how I steward my time, how I steward my resources, how I use all of those things and steward all those things. At the end of the day, it comes down to a heart thing. Because a heart thing leads to a do thing. They gave willingly. Here's the third thing. It's found in verses 22 through 28. Let's continue reading. Look at what they do. It says they brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sort of gold objects. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to who? To the Lord. And here's that word again. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns of fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood or any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and twine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun goat's hair. And the leaders, what I love is like everybody, everybody participated in this. The people who had little and were like, I'm just going to use whatever little I have and the skill that God's given me. And then you have leaders who were maybe had more resources and they were like, we're going to give as well. And look at what they give. It says onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Remember that thing that the high priest wore and the spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Now, here's what I asked when I read that passage of Scripture. Let's see if you're thinking the same thing. Here's what I asked. 
where'd they get all this stuff? Where'd they get, where'd they get all this stuff? What were, what were the Hebrew people in Egypt? So somebody say it. What were they? Slaves. I don't know too many slaves that had all this stuff. Like there was a time where they didn't have straw to make bricks. Like where did they get all of this stuff that now they're giving? Like they just didn't like rob somebody on their journey in the wilderness. Like where did they get all of this stuff? And it's interesting that Exodus 12 verse 36, don't turn there, just listen to me, tells us where they got all this stuff. Because it says, and the Lord had given the people favor inside of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. So here's when this took place, is as after the 10 plagues have taken place and and Pharaoh just says, Moses, get out of here. Take all the people and just leave us after the 10 plagues ravage the land. And so the people are excited. They're finally leaving. And what's amazing that's taking place is it's literally like a shopping spree. Like, the people of Israel are like, hey, uh, really like those earrings you've been wearing for the past 10 years. You mind if I have them? Sure, take them. You know that fabric that I loved and, and how soft it felt? Man, I would sure love a couple yarns of that. Sure, take it. Can you, can you imagine this? Like, literally the idea of you going into a grocery store or a, or a superstore somewhere and having a shopping spree and just like how much stuff can you accumulate in your cart as you're driving around I've never had that experience but man I'm sure it'd be awesome that's exactly what happened here that doesn't make sense so who was the one who orchestrated that it was God right it was God All the materials that are being built for this tabernacle came from the Israelites who were given them. They didn't have them because of any other reason than God put it in the hearts of the people to give it to them. Now listen to me. Every Israelite, because they're like you and I, they could have easily said, man, when am I going to get an armlet like this again? When am I going to get earrings like this again? When am I going to have fabric like that again? Like I could use that fabric to make clothes for my kids. I could use that gold to pay for my whatever. Like they could have easily said, when am I ever going to get this stuff ever again? Like I deserve this stuff. I made bricks for that stuff. I served in slavery for all this stuff. But I think it's interesting that it just says they gave willingly because... Their heart was stirred to participate in what God had asked them to do. See, that's the third way that we move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity is that we choose to give sacrificially. We choose to give sacrificially. I mean, how cool is that? That evidently the people of Israel realized in that moment when Moses said, hey, bring everything that you have so that this tabernacle could be built. And the people are literally going back into their tents and grabbing everything that they received from Egypt. And they're not asking themselves, when will I ever get this again? But they're literally saying, man, I can't wait to give this because evidently they understood that the reason why they had it in the first place 
was because God wanted to do something like this. And man, I want that type of thinking for my life and I want it for you. That when God gives me things or gives me finances or gives me a raise or provides a job for me or blesses me with whatever it is that I'm not thinking to myself, man, I wonder what's the next thing that I can accumulate. But I'm thinking to myself, God, I wonder if there's an opportunity that's about to come and this is the reason why you gave it to me. Because the people of Israel knew that. God, this is so much more than about me wearing a nice pair of earrings in my ears or wearing an armlet on my arm or having a bunch of fabric that I can make some nice clothes with. God, there's a purpose greater than me and why you gave this because the fact of the matter that I have it in the first place doesn't even make sense. And they gave that sacrificially. See, God always provides the opportunity to join him in his work. The fact that he even allows us to be a part of his work. And if God always provides the opportunity to join him in his work, then he's always going to provide the resources to seize the opportunity. And here's our responsibility. We have the choice to seize it or to waste it. Listen to me. God, don't you believe that God was more than capable to drop a tabernacle out of the sky and not need his people for one single thing? God could have done that. God could drop a building out of the sky and say, here's your home, Harvest Bible Chapel. But he gives us an opportunity to go to work with him. And I defined opportunity this way. I did this at our vision meetings. Opportunity is this, when these two things converge, need and the ability to meet the need. And don't we see that in this passage of Scripture? Is here was the need We need a place to worship. We need a place to come and to remind ourselves who God is and who we are not. And he gave them the ability to meet that need. And the children of Israel seized it. It's one of the few times, as I said, that they obeyed. But they seized it. But here's the battle. Because I believe this is our biggest fear when it comes to our resources. And I can say this because I know it's mine. This is our biggest fear. When being led of the Lord to give sacrificially of our finances, it's this this fear that asks this question. If I give, what am I going to have left? If I give, what am I going to have left? Like, I know what I have. If I give sacrificially, What am I going to have left? And I love that God knows what we struggle with. Because another passage of Scripture that every time I have that fear rise up in me, like I've had these past few weeks in my own life, I think of this verse in Malachi 3.10 where God speaks through Malachi the prophet to the people of Israel and he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. See, at this point in Israel's history, they have been disobedient in giving God what is rightfully his in order for them to remember that everything that they have is his 
And they had long since forgotten this. And God says to the people of Israel, hey, Israel, here's what I want you to do. Put me to the test. It's the only time you find in all of the Bible that God throws down the gauntlet like that and says, you don't believe that I'll come through? Put me to the test. Come on, try to put me to the test. Like God's literally talking some smack to you today. You don't believe that everything that you have is from me and that I'm not gonna multiply? You don't believe Proverbs eleven twenty four. You don't believe that those who give freely will receive richly? You don't believe that? Put me to the test. Come on, just try me. Try me. And God in his grace doesn't say, man, I'm gonna take everything that you have. He says, try me, put me to the test. And when you do, look at God's response. He says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Listen to me, I don't know anything greater that puts God to the test than giving sacrificially of the resources that God has entrusted to us. Here's the awesome thing about God. You ready for this? God can't score anything but 100% on the test. There wasn't a lot of times in my life where I scored 100 on a test. But what I love here is we have the test that we struggle with more than any other, that when we're asked to give sacrificially, we're like, God, if I give, what will I have left? God says, no, 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 put me to the test. Because I'll always score 100%. And we see the people of Israel do this. They don't say, when are we ever going to get this again? But they say, God, you're the one that gave it. So God, we're going to sacrificially give what you've asked us to give. Here's the fourth thing. Look at verses 29 through 38. It says, and all the men and women, the people of Israel, I mean, Here's this phrase again, like, do you think that the Lord's not trying to get us to remember something today? Whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. In other words, that idea of free will is the idea of, God, I'm giving this as a way of gratitude to show my gratitude towards you. I'm not giving it out of obligation. Remember, obedience is fueled by devotion, not obligation. God, I'm giving it out of gratitude to you. Verse 30, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord is called by name. Bezael, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. So evidently, this guy was given the task of overseeing this work, and Moses says, see this guy? Everything that he's skilled in isn't because of him. God gave it. See, here's the fourth way that we move and cross the bridge from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity is when we choose to give gratefully gratefully. Here's a great illustration we're about to take part in today. I've got my wallet here. Everybody take out their wallet. Just go ahead and do it. Don't worry, I'm not taking up an offering right now. That's not how we're doing this. Some of you are like, dude, I got flashbacks from other church I was a part of. We're not doing that this morning. I want you to take out your wallet. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to exchange it to the person next to you. Some of you are like, I do this every day, right? <laughs> like, I know we got some couples here, so 
But here's what I'm going to do. Casey, I'm going to exchange my wallet with, oh, sorry, Casey, I'm going to exchange it with you. I'm not going to open it, all right, because I'm up on this stage. So, Casey, you got like $7 in there. Don't spend it all in one place. But think about it this. Let's say you walked out and you're like, man, this was such an amazing church service. And everybody's like, why? And you're like, because I got somebody else's wallet. It's chock full of cash. And so if, if we did that and you, and the person was like, yeah, go ahead. And you're like, man, this is so awesome, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give and I'm going to be thankful because, because this wasn't mine in the first place. It's just like total gravy. And, and it was given to me. In reality, that's what's true of your own wallet. That everything that you have in there, everything in your bank account, and some of you are like, man, it ain't much, but here's the reality. It doesn't matter how much it is. It's all God's. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this to you gratefully. You held on to that pretty tight, Casey. I'm going to give that to you gratefully, knowing that there's a reason why I gave it to you. And I just see that all over this passage of Scripture. That's why it's such, that's why we're looking at it this morning is the heart of the people to say, Lord, we're not going to have a heart of reluctance that says, there's no way I can. But God, I'm going to cross the bridge. And I'm going to cross the bridge over here to the heart of generosity that says, God, there's no way I can't. Because I understand how much you've done for me. I understand and I look back at my life and I look at so many things that can't be attributed to chance and I say, God, I see the way that you've worked in that. I see the way that I met my spouse. God, I see the way that you restored our relationship when everybody thought, thought that it was literally on DEFCOM 5 and there's no way it was going to last. God, I see the way that you provided when I gave that and the way that you blessed me so much and I've grown in my generosity. God, I've seen the way that I left everything to go and to pursue this or to pursue that and God, you graciously provided like to be able to see all of that stuff and to be able to say, God, I'm so thankful that what I have is not mine, but it's been given by you. That's why I say generosity is a heart thing. It leads to a do thing. And here's the last thing. It's found at the chapter 36, verse 3 through 7. And if you haven't read this before, this is going to blow your mind. It says in verse 3, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. Did I read that right? Like they still kept Bringing, look at verse 4, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord had commanded us to do. Now listen to me. I would love to have this problem. That literally what's going on is they're like, man, we have everything that we need to make this happen now. Everyone's given obediently, they've given willingly, they've given sacrificially, they've given gratefully. And Moses, we got everything that we need, but here's the biggest problem is people keep bringing us more. 
They're so excited they get to participate in this that they keep bringing us more things, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude, out of devotion. And Moses, this has got to stop. Here's what I think is so amazing to me. Look at verse 6. It says, so Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. So Moses doesn't preach a message saying, you need to give so that we can build the tabernacle. He actually preaches a message that says, don't give anymore. I've never heard that message ever preached in a church. I'm hoping I get to preach it one day. And what I see in that is I see the fifth way that we move from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity. It's when we choose to give cheerfully. God, I don't have to do this. It's not motivated out of guilt. It's not motivated out of fame that, ooh, I want my name inscribed in one of the curtains of the tabernacle that says so-and-so gave this. No, no, they weren't motivated by fame. They weren't motivated by guilt. They weren't manipulated to give. But they gave cheerfully. Like, I don't, like, I get to do this. Like, I actually get to do this. I actually get to participate in something so much bigger than myself and know that God's going to bless me for it. Like, I don't deserve that privilege. I don't deserve that opportunity. I get to do this. And Moses is like, I know you're jacked. I know you're so excited. But we got more than enough. But then look at the way it closes in verse 7. It says, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. That's my prayer for this place. What we give today, or what we may give next week, what we commit to today, what we bring on May 20th is sufficient to do all the work and more. Because it's done a work in your life. It's moved you from a heart of reluctance to a heart of generosity. That's what God has done in your life. And let's not forget that this tabernacle, this tent, like we always think of the temple, but this tabernacle was used for 450 years. That this work lasted for so much longer than they would have ever anticipated. And think about what it's like in heaven. Like I've even thought about this week, and I know we have some dear loved loved ones that are in heaven right now. And I don't know about you, but at least on this side of heaven, this is one of the things I want to do. Is I just want to walk around to different people. And yeah, it'd be awesome to meet Paul and obviously to worship Jesus forever and ever. But it'd be cool to talk to Moses and say, man, how cool was it that you got to preach a message for people not to give? Like every message I've ever had to preach was to give. And to talk talk to different Bible characters. And then to, but what I think would be pretty awesome is to go to people that 
you don't even know, you don't know their name, and you're like, hey, what did, what did you do with your time on this earth? And you can imagine running into these people here. Hey, God, hey, what did you do? Oh, you know, we gave and we built the tabernacle. We built the tabernacle and man, it was so crazy. Like we were walking out of Egypt and people were just handing us stuff. And in that moment, we knew that that was for something so much bigger than us. And so we gave to it and man, our kids saw God in a greater way. Our grandkids saw God in a greater way. And it went on for 450 years. Yeah, that's one of the main things that we got to be a part of. Like how awesome would that be? And this is an opportunity for us, though it's not a story that obviously we won't have in the Bible, but it can be our story. Where we have an opportunity to give to something that's so much greater than ourselves. To give to something that will outlast ourselves. That's not hyperbole. I mean that when I say that. That that's the opportunity that lives before us. In Philippians 4.17, Paul says this that his greatest desire for the church at Philippi and the offering that they collected for him was this, that the fruit that would abound to their account, the fruit that it would produce from their giving. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't here at the start of this church. I didn't sacrifice to start this place. Some of you did. The places that I got poured into in college and where I met my wife and that formed my convictions in the various places, I didn't have the opportunity to give to those things. I was even reflecting on this yesterday with Lori and I was like, you know what? God is not, God's given us a privilege for some reason to keep being at places that go after these types of things and it's easy like man at some point Lord you're tapped out but like I think about my family growing up and I never as a kid got to be a part of something like this my parents not to get never were a part of something like this Lori's parents were never a part of something like this and it reminds me of what I've said to you a few times now that rarely are we a part of the few who does the much so that many people will be blessed blessed 